I believe authors should be doing content marketing, and it's one of the first things that they should do if they'd like to sell more books or if they're getting ready for a book launch. I believe passionately in the power of content marketing for authors. Hello, this is Stephen Campbell, and you are listening to The Author Biz, where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. One of the things I love about this show is that we have the opportunity to learn from experts. I've wanted to do a show on content marketing for authors for a while now, but I put that show on the back burner until I could connect with the right person to teach us. We have that person today. Beth Hayden is an author, a nationally known speaker, and a social media expert who regularly contributes to some of the largest social media blogs in the world. She speaks about blogging, content marketing, and Pinterest at conferences and events all around the country. I've been reading and learning from Beth Hayden online for a while now, and I'm thrilled to be able to bring her on as a guest of the show to teach us not only how to use content marketing to build an audience of readers, but how to avoid some of the pitfalls that so many of us tumble into when we write content for the web. As always, you'll find show notes for this episode at theauthorbiz.com. And while you're there, please sign up for my email list. It's the best way for us to stay connected so you can continue to learn from experts like Beth Hayden. One quick note before we get going. We had a few Skype audio drops during the show, but nothing major and nothing that affects the information in the show. But if you hear something that sounds a little wonky, that's more than likely what it is. So now, let's get to it. Beth Hayden, welcome to The Author Biz. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. I have been reading your stuff online for quite some time, and it, it, it really is a treat for me to talk to you about our topic for today, which is content marketing for authors. And let's, let's get started by first sort of defining terms. What is content marketing? Content marketing in a general sense is you, as a marketer, creating and distributing content for the purposes of attracting and building relationships with your audience. So if you want to picture it as a podcaster or a blogger, a video blogger, you know, any kind of content that you can create with the idea behind that you'd like to attract an audience to you, no matter what you're marketing. So that's the, that's the general definition of it. It's more, a little more complicated than it sounds, but that's the general gist. So in, in general, I, I'm creating content by doing this podcast and the other podcasts I do. I like to think of it as the easy way to create content because I, <laughs> content because I don't have to write anything. But uh, for some people, some people would prefer to write. Some people would prefer to do – I mean, there are any number of ways, as, as you mentioned, exactly. that you can yep. do content marketing. So I mean, you, you wrote a book a few years ago called Pinfluence, uh, and it's I the did. complete guide to marketing your business with Pinterest. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that you did some content marketing as, as a part of the launch for that book. So tell us, tell us what you did and how you used content marketing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I actually, before I wrote the book, two, well, actually, maybe four or five years before that, I was actually a blogging coach. That's where I got my start. Mm -hmm. And so when people hear I'm a Pinterest expert, that maybe don't understand their definition or like the the relationship between uh, blogging and Pinterest. And I really started as a blogging coach. And then Pinterest came on my radar because it was a traffic tool for bloggers. It was this perfect way to drive people toward your website or your blog. So for me, it's like Pinterest is a tool that you can use to drive attention to what you're doing with your website and drive attention to your content. So with the book launch that I did, I already had, I'd say, a decent-sized audience. I had a list of email subscribers and some folks who were following my blog, and I started shifting the focus over to Pinterest and talking more about how to grow your following on Pinterest, how specific audiences can use Pinterest, like authors or therapists and coaches, and started putting out a lot more content that was Pinterest-related to sort of get my audience to kind of make the shift with me and understand why I went from talking about blogging to Pinterest all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and, and help them make that, you know, make that leap with me, basically. So in the couple of weeks leading up to the book launch, it what it was like I said my my content was focused more on Pinterest. I was still doing some blogging tips to make sure that I didn't leave my blogging people completely behind, but I was trying to make that leap between the two. And then letting people know the book is coming out. This is the date that it's coming out. This is where you're going to be able to find it. You know, here's what you can do. And when it was available for pre-order, I would put that link out. But I was really hammering on what that book launch date was so that everybody would be ready when the book came out to go to Amazon or, you know, wherever Mm -hmm. and buy it. So it was a matter of priming my list kind of and making sure that they understood the topic, why it was relevant to their interests for online marketing and where they could go to buy the book and when it was going to be happening. Okay, now let's let's take a few steps back because you said a lot in in that entire process. Um, among the many things that you said was you wanted to drive people to your website, and you talked about your email list, um, and and then that that you talked about the way that you use those tools to influence your audience and and to let them know what to expect and and when it was time to take an action. So this, as you mentioned, this wasn't something that you just started uh, two weeks before the the book launch. This is something that you've been doing for years and you had an audience that that you've been developing over time that you were able to transition when the time was right to to get them interested in in your blog or in your your book by the the clever way you use content marketing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What I always tell people is that you should start marketing your book long before your book launch. The ideal place, real time in a book launch cycle to start doing content marketing is even up to a year or six months before your book launch. And even longer if you can. Like the longer you can give yourself to build an audience with content marketing, the better. From what I've been saying for the past half hour, I believe authors should be doing content marketing. And it's one of the first things that they should do if they'd like to sell more books or if they're getting ready for a book launch, I believe passionately in the power of content marketing for authors. Say, okay, well, my book launch is today. Where do I start? You know, you want to give yourself as much advanced time as you possibly can. And from an expectation standpoint, what should we expect? Let's say I've got a book coming out six months from now and I want to start content marketing today. So as Mm -hmm. soon as I begin, uh, what should I expect? Should I expect uh, the floodgates to open up and uh, uh, potential fans just come roaring my way? 
It's much more of a slow buildup. I tell people to really expect, you know, that you're not going to make a whole lot of progress at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but then there can be these big leaps in your progress, depending on kind of how you're going about content marketing. And I can give you my, you know, my best tips for how to make those bigger leaps in a sec. Um, But you're going to do some big leaps and then you'll have periods where it'll kind of drop back. Um, But the idea is to just build up the base of your audience just a little bit at a time, but it's going to start out slow and then it'll ramp up. So don't expect the whole floodgate at the very beginning and have your whole audience to come rushing in all at once. It's a slow process and it looks much more like a snowball than (laughs) than a rocket ship right from the beginning. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, for uh, for novelists, you were writing a book of nonfiction and it's easy for me to envision the kind of content that I would write for a nonfiction book. It's a little bit different for novelists. So uh, what advice would you have for someone who's who's just writing fiction? You know, what whatever type, because we can't just then pitch our expertise in a given subject. It's it's a different process, isn't it? It is a little bit different, yeah, and I find that my fiction authors that I work with, they have the most trouble with content marketing and with social media tools, Pinterest, and things like that, um, because they are unsure what kind of content they should be putting out. And so what I say, a couple of things that I want my fiction authors to think about. The first one is that you actually are an expert in a particular topic, and it's whatever type of fiction you are writing. So if you're writing young adult fiction, young adults are your author or your are your audience, mm-hmm. and, and they are the folks that you are an expert in. Same with things like historical fiction or any other kind of fiction you can think of. You've developed that expertise in whoever that primary audience is. So you know your audience fairly well. You know what they like. And that is really, really important when you're developing content because the best thing you can do is write content that's going to appeal to whoever your audience is. So if it's historical fiction, let's say you write historical fiction that's primarily for 40 to 60-year-old women. Mm-hmm. And so then you know that audience really well, write content that appeals to them, not only in a how-to kind of way, because there is how-to content that you can create for your fiction audience. If you know that they want to take trips because they enjoy the historical fiction and they enjoy the travel aspect of your work and what you do, you can tell them, hey, this is how to plan a trip to Scotland if you're trying to relive the Outlander experience, hmm. you know, that, that kind of thing. If you have mm-hmm. something that fits in with, with the Outlander type novels, I think it, the series is called Outlander. It's a big deal, I know. <laughs> um, but you can do sort of how-to content that speaks to that audience if you know what they really, really love. And then I also tell people, the people who are really interested in your process as a novelist, mm-hmm. our, our fascination with writers goes really deep. We want to know how you write. Do you sit down to write at the same time every day? Do you have a certain word count that you like to meet every day? They want to dig into your head and find out how it is that you do this magic of writing. Because a lot of people, either they are writers and they want tips on how to do it better, or they're not writers and they're fascinated with the process and they want to find out more about it. I could read all day long about how Stephen King gets all of his writing done. (laughs) I just looked the other day at this huge list of novels that he's got. He's one of my favorite authors, but Mm -hmm. the list was way longer than even I expected. And I thought, how does he do this? He's so prolific over so many years. So if he wanted to start a blog that was just his writing advice, not even writing advice, just giving a glimpse into what his writing like all day long. So don't 
skip over that part. It is much more fascinating than you think it is. So don't be afraid to write about your writing life. And then my third tip on that is don't be afraid to share a little bit of your personal life as well if you're comfortable doing so. Now, I understand you might not be comfortable sharing family photos or anything like that. Share to your comfort level. But if there are trips that you're taking, if there are things that you're doing in your life, hobbies, you know, travel, that kind of thing that you can feel that you do feel comfortable writing about, share that too. Because if people like your work, they like you and they want to read more about you. And, and vice versa. I think sometimes if people like you, they're going to be more inclined to like your work. So I, I think, I think one, one feeds into the next. Totally. One, of the things, one of the things that I see a lot of beginning authors do when they des- make the decision, yes, I want to do some blogging, they blog for other writers. And that's something yeah. – I mean, there, are, there are a number of fiction authors out there that write fantastic that have fantastic blogs with great followings about how to write fiction. Yep. Uh, but uh, what you're suggesting is that we target our audience with, with the blog. Because yes. our audience is not other writers. Our audience are, are the people that are going to buy the book. Well, there might be some overlap, though. Mm-hmm. It could be other writers who happen to love your fiction or your nonfiction work. So I want you to, to think of the, that there might be a Venn diagram that, that the two are meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So there might be. But yeah, you want to think in terms of your audience. So you mentioned writing for other people's blogs. And were you talking guest blogging? Can we talk a little bit about that? That's not what I was talking about. But yes, I would love to talk about guest blogging. Okay. blogging. That's okay. one of the few things I actually had on my list because this oh, is okay. such an organic conversation. Conversation. I had very few things planned planned for it, but that's that's a good one. Okay, good, good. Guest blogging was one of the things that gave me my big break that led directly to my book deal, actually. Mm-hmm. I had a guest post for copyblogger.com, and I had just started writing some guest posts for them. It was my second post, and the post went viral. It was all about Pinterest, and then it was what led Wiley and Sons to call me and say, we loved your post on Copyblogger. Can you please write us a book on Pinterest marketing, and can you do it as fast as possible? Because they <laughs> wanted me to write the book in six weeks, which was crazy. Um, but I really, I'm a huge huge guest blogging evangelist. I think it can absolutely change the entire scope of someone's career. A well-placed guest blog can do amazing things for you. And it's one of those things that can make that big leap. If you're blogging on your own and you're sort of making some slow progress, you're starting to get some subscribers, you're starting to get some comments, but you you feel like the, the progress is really slow, it can get really frustrating. But guest blogging and getting in somebody in front of somebody else's audience, sort of borrowing somebody else's audience for a day, mm-hmm. can do amazing things and can get you a ton of subscribers really quickly and can get, get you a lot of exposure really, really quickly. So... The idea behind it is that you're approaching another popular blogger, someone who hopefully has a bigger audience than you do, and, and who shares your audience. And I want people thinking in terms of audience here, they don't necessarily have to be in your niche. Like if you write a gardening blog, let's say, and your book is about gardening, you might want to reach out to personal finance blogs because people who are into personal finance might also be into gardening, particularly to try to save some money on produce. 
And so if there's an overlap between the audience there, then that is a good blog for you to approach. So you don't just need to go for folks who are in your niche. You can kind of cast a wider net as long as they share an audience with you. So you approach another blogger, you come to him with some ideas, and you say, I'd love to write a guest post for your site. Here's three possible ideas. Hopefully they say yes. And you publish a post on their site. You give it to them for free because it is in exchange for the exposure and the link back to your site. Mm-hmm. And then you get that link back to your site. You hopefully get some folks on your mailing list, get them on your list, and then they can become part of your community and folks who buy your book. Now, that's, I, the, that's a short, short version. I think a lot of listeners to this show would be familiar with the idea of a blog tour. You've got a book coming out and somewhere around the launch of the book, maybe a week before and a week after you're on 10 blogs. Yep. And so it's a really concentrated effort. That's that's one thing. That's that's trying to drive interest in the book as it's being published. Uh, but it's also possible to do this well in advance, as as you mentioned yeah. earlier, six months to a year in advance to get people used to coming to your site, to get people on your email list, so that when the time comes, you already have a relationship with them. Absolutely. I think we should do both because it is easier to sell a book to somebody that you've already got a relationship with Mm -hmm. and somebody who has been getting your content on a regular basis. They like your stuff. They trust you. So on launch day, they'll be ready to pull the trigger and say, yep, I want to buy this book. So it's easier to make those sales. I think the book tour, you know, the blog tours Mm -hmm. are great and they can help you build buzz for the book and hopefully give a little boost to your launch week sales. I think they can be great, but I'd actually rather see people focusing on the six months before their their book launch. I'd like to see them do both, though. All right. Let, now let's talk about what you do, uh, sort of the technical process of, of doing a, a guest blog. You mentioned yep. the approach, going in with two or three ideas, approaching them uh, presumably via email, and then let, you're accepted. You write yep. the post. You send it to them. What do, you, what do you write it? Do you write it in Word? Do you write it in HTML? What do you do? Yeah, I usually kind of check their guest post guidelines or whatever they give me when they give me the assignment Mm because some people will specify, hey, I want this in a text document. Mm -hmm. If they don't specify other words, I almost otherwise, I almost always give it to them in a Word document. And I will normally ask, though, if they want me to put the HTML into the Word doc because some of them won't ask, but it's nice if you offer. So you can add your hyperlink tags and your header tags and things like that um, because it's just a nice thing to offer if you're familiar with HTML. If you don't, if you're not, just don't kill yourself over it. Um, but I will sometimes offer and they'll say, oh my gosh, that would be great. And it's just mm-hmm. another way to sort of endear yourself to that blogger. Um, but I'll put it into Word or whatever they ask for. And then I'll just send them the document. And then I like to, if I've got images for the post and it's a good idea to add at least some, at least one, hopefully more. And I like to put those as separate files and then just mark in the Word document where they should be and then zip it up and send them that image uh, file, that image folder as a separate document. Now, in in your experience, when you're doing these guest posts, uh, you mentioned the the guidelines that the site may have. Uh, Are there typically word count guidelines or is that something that you would ask when you're making the approach? Yeah, normally they would tell you when they give you the assignment, they're saying, you know, it would either be in the guest post guidelines or they would tell you, hey, we're looking for something in this word count. If they don't, I always, always ask. So, and then all you need to do is follow their recommendations as closely as you can. Okay. When, When we write a guest post, 
what do we want to link back to? Do we just want to link back to our site or do we want to do something special? Yeah, that's the worst mistake that guest bloggers make. And I see it all the time. A lot of people will take the time and then in the little byline or bio paragraph that they give you at the end, they link back just to the homepage of their site. And that's a huge mistake. What you want to do is develop, if you don't already have something, develop a really good freebie kind of giveaway. And this is another one of those content marketing tricks. You're always giving away great content. So it can be a free report. It can be a video series. It can be an audio file like a previous podcast that you know is going to be really valuable to them. And then develop a landing page and drive people just to that landing page. So it'll say, here's the freebie that you get. Here's three bullets telling you the benefits you're going to get, how awesome it is. And then here's how to form and a big submit button. So super simple. No big navigation bar, no links back to other places on your site. And it has to be whatever you give away needs to be really relevant to whatever your guest post was about. So when I did the post on Copyblogger, that one that kind of gave me my big break early mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. I developed a special report that was all about the biggest mistakes that people make on Pinterest. And so I wasn't going to give away a blogging report if the guest post was about Pinterest. I try to make sure that there's an alignment between the two. And you want to get them as well aligned as you possibly can, just so that someone will go from that guest post and they'll go over to your landing page and they'll say, this is perfect. This is the perfect next step because I'm interested in this topic because Mm -hmm. I just read this great guest post. That's the idea. And not many people do that, do they? Well, I think some who have been guest blogging for a while mm-hmm. kind of have the trick of it, but I will admit it's a pain. <laughs> it is. You've got to create the landing page. Yeah. Yeah. And there are tools that can help you with that. But mm-hmm. when you just created, you know, what's supposed to be this fantastic post, because I tell people guest posts should be the best post you've ever written, especially if your audience is large. You know, if you've got somebody that you're guest posting for who has a huge audience or a huge mailing list, you want to create the post of your life, mm-hmm. you know, and then to have to create this landing page and possibly even this whole new freebie, but I'll tell you, it is worth it because the amount of subscribers that you can get from that is really, really hugely, it's, it's, it's a lot more than what you'd be able to get from just sending somebody to your homepage. Because what happens, you send somebody to your homepage and then people will say, oh, that looks nice. And then mm-hmm. they'll bounce away on the next shiny thing that they see and they'll never come back. So you don't get a chance to capture that email address to build that relationship with them. And this is something that you do particularly well. And I noticed uh, fairly recently on a guest post that you'd done somewhere, I don't remember where it was, I clicked through to your site and it took me to a landing page for a Pinterest webinar that you were planning. Yes. Yeah, I've got one coming up on December 10th, and it is all about Pinterest for authors in particular. And so when I have a guest post that's timed particularly well, I will sometimes drive people toward one of my webinar pages because I do a lot of webinars. That's one way that I give away content. It's a huge part of my own content marketing strategy because I teach people all day long. Mm -hmm. And with the subject of online marketing, there's no end to the amount of things that I can teach people. So I do a lot of webinars 
webinars. And so I will drive people from a guest post to a webinar registration page. And that helps them get on the webinar with me, get to know me a little bit, get to know how I teach, and that can build the relationship. So I have one coming up on December 10th, and it's at BethHayden.com forward slash PFA. And that's Pinterest for Authors. So just PFA. And I will link to that in the show notes. I've seen others, uh, other posts where you've done, be, because you're so specific with the way you do these, I've, I've seen others that might take, take me to a case study or yep. something else that was specific to the content that you'd written for that particular guest post. So these are great examples for people to take a look at and see how they might do that. Because it, it's, not, it's not a huge job to create a landing page. It's just a little bit of a job. Exactly. You can either get a developer to do it for you. I use lead pages for a lot of mine. Mm -hmm. And even though they certainly don't look perfect, some of the colors sometimes I'm like, yeah. Um, but lead pages is a great tool for putting up fast landing pages. And so that's one of my, my recommended tools in my toolbox for folks who want to put up landing pages without having to go to a developer to do it. Because I'm sort of techie, but not techie enough to do <laughs> Sort of techie. You know, yeah, uh, but not techie enough to do from scratch. All right, and I use I think it's called Optimizely, which is another oh, yeah. It's another it's another way of going about it. A difference is that they have uh, an annual fee versus lead pages. Lead pages I think is a little bit more robust, but it's a little bit more expensive. Exactly. Yeah. And and I tell people if you only if you know you're only going to do one or two really big guest posts mm -hmm. and you're going to drive them toward the same landing page in both cases, it might make more sense for you to have a developer develop one for you. Whoever created your website can mm -hmm. put one together for you. Because the problem with lead pages is that it's a monthly fee, but then you need as long as you want to keep those lead pages open, those landing pages open, you need to keep paying that monthly fee. So if you know you're only going to create maybe one landing page or two, it might make more sense for you to go to developer to do it. If you're going to be creating lots of them all the time, lead pages is a great tool for that. Okay. Now, since one of the many things we've talked about is creating content via blogging, either your own site or yep. guest posts, uh, a lot of people listening to the show are novelists. They write yes. books. Uh, what's the difference between writing for the web and writing for a novel? Yeah, it's a great question, and I know that a lot of writers get stuck with that. I think one of the biggest differences is that you need to think in terms of scannability. Because when we sit down to write a novel, we, or to read a novel, we don't scan it. We read it. Pretty much reading every word. But on the web, we all scan. So you want to think short paragraphs, one or two sentences per paragraph. I want you adding a lot of bullet points, if you can, bulleted lists, that kind of thing. You can have quotes that sort of break, you know, that are broken out and indented a little bit so it just gives a little bit of visual interest and then subheadings if you're writing a longer post which you should be because long content does better online historically and I want you thinking subheads so break it up into a couple of different subheads and make those little subheads like sort of mini headlines you want to be thinking catchy little subheading titles for each of those sections so scannability is big and make it visually interesting the biggest sin that I think most writers do with online writing is big blocks of text. Mm -hmm. Now, should we apply the same rules to the email messages that we send out to our lists? I think so, yeah, I do. And I think I do paragraphs really short. I add bullet points whenever I can. And especially with a longer email, I will break it out into subtitles, you know, subheadings, that kind of thing. And because people are scanning those too. Mm -hmm. And then with email marketing, 
you want to try to, as much as you can, stick with one topic per email. I think we're past the days, with some exceptions, and I, sh- I know I get in trouble by saying this, but <laughs> many, many people, I think we're past the days of big newsletters that have 14 different links to different things, mm-hmm. um, because people look at that and they get overwhelmed and they think, oh, they think, oh my God, I can't deal with this, and they put it into a box for reading later, and then they never get to read it later. And circling all the way back to the beginning, where we were talking about how podcasts like this are content marketing as well, uh, this show has evolved over the course of the last year from one that had a variety of topics to hopefully one that has one or maybe two topics, because I I found that it was just too complicated for for people to to understand. And I think they'd rather listen to a 30-minute podcast that covered one topic thoroughly than an hour-long topic that an hour-long conversation that covered a dozen topics. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what we should do with our content marketing, certainly in our blog posts, our videos, our podcasts, but in our emails as well. So be thinking one topic and one call to action. If you're trying to get them to do something, like click on a link, just focus on that. If you want them to register for a webinar, just focus on that. Okay. Uh, Earlier in the call, you mentioned some best tips for blog leaps. I, I have a feeling yeah. we've mentioned a couple of those, but if there are any that we haven't mentioned, let's, let's talk about them now. Yeah, one of my favorite ones is definitely guest blogging. That's the first tool that I reach for, for bloggers who are looking to sort of make a leap in their visitors and subscriber levels. Mm-hmm. But the other the other one is actually reaching out to other influencers. So it would be reaching out to podcast experts like yourself and saying, hey, I could, I'd love to either write a guest post on your site or I wondered if you could link to my latest guest post and send them a link. And it's got to be a great post. It's something mm-hmm. you've got to be really proud of that's going to be really relevant to their interest or just see if there's something that you could do to get in front of their audience. And it might mean a guest post, but it might be being a guest on their podcast. It could mean them just sending out a link to your stuff, to their social media followers, but it's building that relationship with folks who are influencers in your field. That can really, really break down doors and do huge things for your content marketing efforts. Okay. Well, that is terrific. This has been, this has been great. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of the basics. I mean, and obviously, from what I've been saying for the past half hour, I believe authors should be doing content marketing. And it's one of the first things that they should do if they'd like to sell more books or if they're getting ready for a book launch. I believe passionately in the power of content marketing for authors. So if that wasn't clear, <laughs> then that's just something that I want to add on here at the end. It's something that you can do. I think it can work really beautifully long-term benefits for your writing career. And I believe in exactly the same thing, and that's why it was such a thrill to have you on the show today. Beth, what's the best place for people to find you online? So BethHayden.com, and it's H-A-Y-D-E-N, is a place where you can get on my mailing list if you want to. You can find out about my new webinars, and you can read my latest posts and my latest content marketing efforts as well. All right, Beth. Thanks so much for being here today. I I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Wasn't that great? As you might have been able to tell, I'm a big fan of content marketing as a way of building an audience for your books. I do my content marketing through the three podcasts I do. This one, crimefiction.fm and The Taylor Stevens Show. I also do content marketing by the writing I do on my websites and whenever possible on the sites of other influencers. 
If you like what Beth had to say today and you'd like to learn more, please do check out her webinar, The Three-Step Strategy for Doubling Your Book Sales Using Pinterest. It's this Thursday, December 10th, and you can register at bethhayden.com slash PFA, as in Pinterest for Authors. I'll be back again next week, and we'll be learning from an author who has completely rebooted her career by fully embracing the best practices used by the most successful indie publishing stars. It's going to be a fun episode. I look forward to chatting with you again then. Thanks for listening. Let's all stay focused and create something great this week.